Thank you so much for joining us on YouTube and Facebook. And I want to challenge you today to be interactive. Let us know that you're here. Uh, you matter. I want to remind you that we are going to make it through this COVID season. And I also want to say that we're beginning a long transition that, um, that's going to result in a new beginning. And just to say very quickly that if you are out and about in a lot of other ways, um, if you would ever go to a restaurant or, or again, just be around people masked and distanced, then maybe it's time for some of you to consider joining us here um, in person. Of course, if it's not safe for you in terms of your health, we want you to, to take care of that. But I want to remind you that we are on the way to a new beginning and a new season of life. God is always at work. And one of the joys of following Jesus is he's always leading us to great new places and doing amazing new things in our lives. And today we are wrapping up a series called The Generosity Revolution. And calling it a revolution is not hyperbole because it is a revolution. When Jesus comes into our lives and we give our lives to the one who gave his life for us, something profound and eternal happens inside of us and everything changes. And for the beautiful and for the better and for the blessing of others, it is an, an eternal thing. I pray today that, that you would hear um, the kind of two things that I want you to, 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 you know, to do and to pray today. What I want you to do today, really what I want you to do is let Jesus do something for you. And I want you to let Jesus give you a giving heart. 360, uh, you know, that, that overflows in speech, in joy, in every arena of your life. You just become more giving, more generous. And here's what I want you to pray today. Jesus, give me a giving heart. I promise you, if you and I pray that prayer, Jesus will answer it. He just will. I want to read for you a passage, and then we're going to kind of give a short overview and then jump right into it from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Now, the context of this passage is the Apostle Paul taking up a, an offering from the Gentiles out in the outlying arenas of the world, areas of the world, and gathering this offering for the Jews in Jerusalem. It was going to serve a lot of purposes. One of the purposes was that there was just a great need in Jerusalem. But the reality is, is that the people who were giving were giving from their poverty. And so it wasn't like they were giving out of their abundance. And so the Apostle Paul gives us a window and insight into what it looks like to have a Jesus-changed heart in these verses. And he says this, beginning in verse 6, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you with all grace, so that in all things, at all times, having everything you need, that you may abound in every good work. Guys, life-changing salvation, it just always overflows into world-changing faith. 
And this is the connections that I want you to begin to make in your life that will energize and wake up your Christianity. It'll wake up your faith. When your salvation moves from becoming a static arrangement into a life-changing growth, um, it will overflow in your life in, in such a way that that your faith is going to is going to come alive in the world. Your faith is going to be unleashed in the world. You see, committing your life to Christ, it changes the whole direction of your life. And, and following Jesus into salvation means that you follow him into faith and service in the world. And you got to connect those things. Too many of us, ha- as wimps, have decided that following Jesus really doesn't mean anything in, in the world. It doesn't mean anything in terms of how I love my, my husband or wife or my kids or my parents. It doesn't mean anything in terms of how hard I work at work. That is a lie from hell. When, when Jesus Christ gives you his life, when you let him give you his life, he lives in you and he lives through you. And you're not in charge anymore. And, and all of this salvation, joy, and love overflows into a whole new way of living in the world. It changes your relationship to everything, and you now live boldly for Christ in the world. And if we're not doing that, it's because we are, we are riding the brakes on our, on our salvation. You see, you can't separate salvation from transformation. Well, you can, but it's a fail. Sin distrusting God, staying stuck in our own broken, refusing to let God work in our life through his spirit, it it hinders our maturing. It keeps us from growing into the giants and the world-changing Christians and followers of Christ that you and I were created to be. You see, one of the things that Satan has succeeded in doing is dumbing down the church. Dialing it back, making us embarrassed about our faith, maybe making us doubt the reality of the power of God in the real world. That is insane. And it's an insanity we're going to throw off through faith in Christ. You see, the reality is that, that you are, according to Ephesians 2.10, God's workmanship, his poema, his, his art, his craftsmanship, his masterpiece. And, and the scripture says you were created in Christ Jesus really purposefully created in Christ Jesus so that you and I can do the great things that God has planned for each one of us. So before the foundation of the world, God imagined you, named you, um, decided the, the, the season and country uh, in which you would be born, all to serve his divine purpose so that, so that your story would be woven into the grand story of God. You were called to greatness. Not the applause of the world. We don't need that. You were called to to greatness in Christ. You were called to live a life so that Jesus could see you face to face one day and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Many churches are stuck in sin. They are without vision. They're afraid of calling God's people to trust God. More about people pleasing than God pleasing. And, And here's a little secret. I care about you but I could care less about pleasing you. I can't. I can never please you no matter what I do, but I can serve you. And I can seek to uphold the word of God and call you to read it for yourself and and call you to have this this life-changing encounter with Jesus. I want you to 
to take your broken life and, and wreck it into Jesus. And, and out of that collision is going to come a beautiful new creation that's going to change not only you, it's also going to impact everybody around you. You are going to make a grand difference in this world. And it's never going to stop. It's not a static deal. You are changed to be changing. You are loved to be loving. It is an ongoing growth and maturity that, that should never cease. But most churches are not there. In fact, the, the reality is that, that from 1993 to, 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 to last year, there are actually 36% less people who, are, who even think it's worth attending church. So I want you to think about that. 36% less people think Jesus is worth their time in America than, than we did in 1993. That's crazy. And, and, and the reason is, is because most of us won't live loved lives bold enough to help other people think they could be loved too and, and live a, a better new life. Hey, step up. Stop being a wimp. Stop being a baby and feeling sorry for yourself. Stop Stop wallowing in the past. Stop, stop downing yourself. Look to Jesus and, and, and let him give you a new heart. Because this new heart he gives you is from his generosity and it is going to be a generous and a joyful heart. Every church ought to be growing in faith, innovative in practice, and, and alive in its impact. It ought to just be increasing. There is no excuse for any church to be declining and whining and acting like, oh, the culture is after us. No, 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 we're after them. Stop, stop taking this, this dumb, you know, defensive posture. We, we are the ones charging the gates of hell. It ain't the gates of hell running against us. So, so stop it. Step up into your salvation. Trust your God. Distrusting God is a disease. It just is. And the reality is that, that this generosity revolution that started when God generously gave us Christ, it can change the world if we will let it begin in us. If we will let the avalanche start and then, and then take us powerfully into places we, we never imagined. Living faith always grows into giving. So if you have true faith in Jesus Christ, if that faith is alive in you, it is going to grow. It's not going to let you stay static. It's not going to let you stay the same. It is going to grow into your giving in life in every arena, in speech. Um, it's going to transform everything. So what's the truth of my trans transformation? Have I accepted the gift of life-changing life salvation by committing my life to Christ? Have I? Is that the truth? Have I been playing religion? Have I, have, am, I, am I a knower or am I a follower of Jesus? Because being a knower means you're doing nothing with what you know. And, and you can keep adding to what you know, but until you start following into a new life and change, it means nothing. And, and if I have not committed my life to Christ, why not? What are you waiting for? What are you afraid of? You know what you know. You know you're broken. You can feel the hopelessness of this life. And if you have eyes and have ever been in or driven by a graveyard, you know what your destiny is here if you invest your life in this world. So you know enough to know that, that you need to turn someplace different than, than this world and 
And there's a, a savior and a kingdom that has come to give you new life. What are you waiting for? Will you commit your life to Jesus today? And if your heart is already given, is your heart rooted in fear and anxiety and the scarcity of this world or in the kingdom of love and in the true trustworthy generosity of God? Am I growing in my giving? Giving is is one of the ways that we all serve the cause of the kingdom. It's a simple faith issue that, that admittedly is pretty complex. God could have chosen, you know, to rain money from heaven to support his his church, but he didn't. He chose to act through willing hearts. And, And the reality is God chose to grow us in faith, to mature us in Christ. And and instead of raining money from heaven, God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you I'm trustworthy. I'm going to show you I'm trustworthy. I'm going to demonstrate my power on earth through the resurrection. And then I'm going to invite you to be used by me to accomplish my purposes on earth. And I'm going to use your giving. And if it's two mites, then, then you'll watch me multiply it 30, 60, and 100 fold. But you're going to be a part of this if you're in my son, Jesus Christ. The more a church has faith, the more the Holy Spirit moves in supernatural ways in that church, and the more people's lives get changed in the world. The less faith a church has, the more timid it has, the more complaining it is, the more members are are worried about power and being pleased, then the less the Holy Spirit moves in supernatural ways upon them. And of course, like a, a tiny grain of sand in the pond instead of a boulder, the less the ripples of salvation work their way through a dead and dying world. What kind of a church do you want to be? What kind of a believer do you want to be? What kind of a a testimony do you want to have when you die and stand before Christ? I want to change this world. I want to see people who are on the edge of, of, of taking their lives give their lives to Jesus because he gave his life for them. There's been enough dying. It's time to start living. I want to see people who are lonely find unconditional acceptance, not only in Jesus Christ, but in in other believers whose hearts have been revolutionary transformed. I want to see you boldly sharing your faith in Jesus Christ because you're not ashamed of him anymore. You're not ashamed to say the name of Jesus. You're you're not afraid to be different. You're not going to be odd for God, but you're going to be different and you're going to be a believer who actually follows Jesus and joins him in his work in every life around you. Guys, the reality is that if we will trust God and and give generously, God's going to do more in the church. Not that we're buying God. It's a, it's a faith issue. Money's never about money. And, and, and you and I are in the driver's seat in this. Whether we put in our two mites or our two million, um, the question is of faith. And, and we can be a high faith church with high impact that does amazing things that changes life. Or we can be a, a mamby-pamby, whiny, do-nothing, you know, I didn't have enough church that, that you know, probably is an embarrassment to God. I know what kind of a church I, I want to be. Again, I want to remind you when it comes to giving, there's two things that can't be argued. That in the Old Testament, people who trusted God gave 10% of their income. They did. It's called the first fruits. It was the first of everything that came in, the first 
even their children, <laughs> you know, the sheep, goats, it doesn't matter, whatever, the, the first 10%, people who trusted God in the Old Testament gave 10%, and then they gave offerings on top of that, all kinds of different offerings in the Jewish sacrificial system. Malachi, you know, you know is, is very much the, the heart of, of summing this up in, in chapter three, verse eight, that, look, if, if you trust me and you're not giving, you're robbing me. Okay, again, some of you say, well, that was Old Testament, we're New Covenant. I got you covered on that, all right? You're not getting out so easy um, with an excuse not to, to trust God. Because in the New Testament, people who trusted God gave everything, 100%. I mean, you, you look to Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35, and you'll see people who gave everything they had. None, nobody claimed anything as their own. That's, that is extreme. That's the revolution at its apex, and somewhere between that 10% and that 100%, I guess you could say somewhere between 0% and 100% is, is where you need to be in your giving. And if you and I will trust God, the scripture says God will bless. It's just how it is. You see, Jesus gives willing people a giving heart. But you got to be willing. And and I want to be really honest with you. There have been seasons in my life where I haven't been willing. Why? Because I had a diseased heart, a heart that was not at ease, at peace in Christ, because I didn't trust God, because I didn't like what he was doing or what he was not doing in my life, because, because, because my heart was my own instead of my Savior's. But in those seasons where I've let God just give me the heart of Christ, I've learned that I can't outgive God. I find joy in giving to the church, absolutely. But I also find joy in, in, in giving life and love to other people, to, to finding ways to build other pe- people up in words. To I mean, the, the generosity, it's, it's 360. And what you find when you start pouring out the bucket of God is that it, it's never empty. Now, you can say, well, that's silly. Well, life is pretty absurd, but the only thing that makes sense in it is Jesus to me. The rest of it's crazy. And if if Jesus is who he said he is, then he can be trusted. If this story is true, then it revolutionizes your life. And you, you need to have a collision with this story. You need to have a collision with Jesus Christ. You gotta, you gotta stop, you know, just this mamby-pamby sort of dancing around and kind of avoiding looking in his face. No, you need to look Jesus in the face and you need to, you need to tell him whether you believe in him or not. And, and, and if you feel like you're unworthy and you can't look at him because of how sinful you are, that's the beauty of his generosity because from the cross, broken and battered, beaten and bloodied, whipped and mocked, he looked down and he said, I love you. And with all the generosity of the endless heart of God, Jesus wrapped us up in a saving embrace and and offered to bring us back from from the dead with him. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing that matters more than that. All the rest of this world is just garbage compared to that. So Jesus gives a willing, uh, he gives willing people a giving heart. And if you want one, he'll give it to you. 
2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 says, remember this, you may have forgotten, so let me bring this back to the forefront of your mind. All, all the rest of life may have crowded out the truths of God. It does, life happens, right? The struggle is real. So remember this, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is, this is a promise that, that we don't even need to talk about the, 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 the silly, stupid, self-serving abuses of this uh, scripture by, by hell-bound people in the prosperity gospel who are enriching themselves. That's just, that's just a worldly garbage. Forget about it. But, but willing people who've been given the giving heart of Jesus, it's like Jesus is just saying, look, you can't outgive me. If you will trust me and you will live from my heart, you'll find my heart is endless. It's the law of kingdom economics. Luke 8, 18 says this, and, and so much of the scriptures is counterintuitive and paradoxical. Listen to this if you want to talk about a new uh, way to think about economics. This is, this is pretty otherworldly revolutionary stuff. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen, okay? And by this, listening here is, is uh, more than a metaphor for sound waves hitting uh, your, you know, your, your ear canal. It is, it is action. It is the translation into doing. So be, be very careful how you listen. Luke 8, 18, whoever has will be given more. And whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. And this is not talking about, um, you know, financial wealth. It's talking about, um, it's talking about kingdom. So whoever has the king and the kingdom will be given more of the king and the kingdom. Whoever does not is going to lose even what they think that you have. So you may be holding on to what you think you have, you know, but you don't have what you think you have. What you have is nothing. What you have is is diseased. What you have is empty. What you have is sand slipping through your fingers. You don't even have what you think you have. And even that, you're going to lose it, according to Jesus. Each of you, verse 7 from 2 Corinthians 9 says this, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So this is so much more than, than, the, than us just saying, you know, tithe, give 10%, and then you've bought off God. No, it's so much more overflowing than that. There, there is, it's so much more endless than that. We give from the love of a given heart. When this thing becomes about love, it's not about money anymore. Um, when this thing becomes about the generosity of God, it's not about scarcity anymore. When this thing comes from, from a, a bold biblical vision of, of life in God in, in time, then it's transformative. I want to give, I want to give what God has given me to advance the cause of his kingdom on earth. And I understand that God's going to take what I give out of faith and he's going to multiply it. He's going he's to give it an impact that, that it punches above its weight. So, so that's why it matters. The reality is that, that we all decide for ourselves whether we'll prioritize our lives in this broken world or live them in the kingdom of heaven. You know, that's, that's what we got to do. We got to decide what's the priority of my life going to be. Am I really going to going to make this world, um, you know, the, the meaning of my moment? Or am I going to let the king and the kingdom of God drive everything and change everything and all my brokenness and all my unworthiness and all my faults and failures and all of that stuff? And, 
And, and yes, we take those seriously, but we don't wallow in them because all of them have already been generously covered by the grace of God in Christ. They're taken care of. Scripture you know, says that, that we're not to be reluctant in our giving. I, I love the way that, that the Scripture phrases that. Not reluctantly or un, under compulsion. This is not about legalism. It's not about resentment either. Unwilling love is never love. I love the illustration of, uh, of a man on, on um, you know, their anniversary um, and, and, he, and he brings 20 roses for their 20th anniversary and he knocks on the door, which is kind of odd, but he knocks on the door of his own home and his wife answered and he, and he holds out the, the 20 roses and, and the, the classic heart-shaped box of chocolates. And he says, here, honey, here are 20 roses for the 20 years that we have been married and a box of chocolates. I have done my duty. Here is your gift from me. Now, if those roses have thorns, Guy's going to be lucky if he's not bleeding as he gets beaten by him because nobody wants that kind of a gift. It means nothing. Keep it, right? Keep it for yourself. That was meaningless. But a, but a heart that, that is, is a given heart from the giving heart of God, that, that's a mirrored heart. It's a connected heart. It's a meaningful, it's a meaningful gift because it was willing. It was thoughtful. To have reservations mean having places in our heart that are reserved and kept from God, um, and they're not given to God. And an ungiven heart is going to be an ungrateful heart, and it's going to be an ungiving heart. God loves a cheerful giver. Giving as a joyful child from a changed heart. Matthew 18.3 says that you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you change and become like a child. You gotta trust and you gotta find wonder and awe in life and you gotta believe and you gotta learn to, to, to play in the, in the creativity and the creation of God. This is a part of the revolution. And you can feel the joy of God uh, in, in his giving in the angels uh, you know, announcement at the birth of Christ in Luke chapter two. You know, there's just joy in God announcing, look what I'm giving you. And, and when the joy of God's giving of Jesus comes alive in us, and Jesus literally does come alive in us, he comes to live in us and his Holy Spirit indwells in us. When we, when we open the door of our heart and we commit our lives to Christ and receive him, he lives in us. Joy lives in us. The joy of what God has given lives in us. And now we have, we have a new heart. And the joy of our giving begins to mirror God's. And the scripture says we'll never lack. We'll never, we'll never run in scarcity. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. All grace, all, all that heaven has, which is endless more so than the universe. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, where am I struggling right now with lack and want and need and loneliness and whatever else? In all things, at all times, that means now, having everything you need, God's thought of it all. You can abound in every good work. We just can't give out, we just can't outgive God. Scripture goes on in verse 9 and, and through 11 to say, uh, as it is written, um, that uh, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. 
And through us, your generosity, through us, Paul was going to take up the offering and bring it to Jerusalem. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There are eternal implications for our generosity. Other human lives are impacted. Other hearts are redirected and transformed and changed. Other people get to see Jesus through us. We become like, like window panes of glass and, 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 and through us, they can see Christ alive and, and, and real in their life and they can see a love of a different kind. I, I love these passages. God supplies and promises to reward faith forever. Enriched in every way, being used by people is selfish uh, and, and a destructive experience. Being used by God is, is, is the exact opposite. Um, it, it is constructive and it is, it is the fulfillment of our being. It is, it is the greatest joy and happiness on earth to be used of God to fulfill his purposes. There's nothing that compares with it. There is, there is no feeling or experience in this world that compares to, to, to leading to somebody to Jesus or helping somebody to discover they're not an accident, that there's meaning and value and worth in their life. That is, that is living, my friends. Every part of life overflows and becomes a more as God empowers us to, to be his generosity in a, an ungenerous world. Christ-centered generosity results in people seeing Jesus. And the scripture says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, people are just going to see the glory of God and thank him. So here's what I want you to do today. I want you to let Jesus give you a giving heart. And it's kind of ironic that even in this giving message, and you know, if you're embarrassed or ashamed or don't trust to give, just own it. It's okay. There's there's no judgment. Just just own it. But but it's kind of ironic that that in this this giving message, what you're being asked to do is to get. Let Jesus give you a giving heart. Just let him do it because he, he will do it. And, and take some time to walk through the, the discipleship journey that, that, that is outlined in this booklet. You can, you can download it uh, easily. It's, it's going to be sent to you in one form or fashion at some point. But you need to understand that that until we've given all, we can all give more. And, and we are on this faith journey that begins towards 10%. And if you're at 1%, then give two. If you're at, at, at eight, then give nine. But, but it never ends. And, and, and take some time to read through this booklet and understand the disciples' giving journey. Some of you need to be a beginning giver. And what that means is you've never given to the church before. Well, Today's your day. You can do that now. And, and, and here's how below that we'll, we'll show you how. And, and a beginning giver means if you've given nothing, you start giving something sometime. That's what it means. And then in, in the growth and maturing of this journey, there's the consistent giver that once you start giving something sometime, then you start giving something regularly. And, and you start to develop a habit. The intentional giver, you start moving towards the, the tie, that 10%. And you're, you're upping your percentages, sometimes by 1%, sometimes by 5%. It's just, it's just what, what you've decided out of the overflow of Jesus' generosity in your own heart, not under legalism or compulsion, but just out of joy. What am I going to give back to you, God? 
the sacrificial giver, it means begin giving in a way that, that changes you and, and puts you in a place of only God dependence. It means that you begin thinking about giving in ways that you can't, but God can. And then there's the legacy giver. The legacy giver begins to think of all of time in light of eternity and, and to say, I want to give in such a way that, that, that makes the maximum impact I can in time for, for, for the sake of the kingdom. Regardless of my financial income, what is the most I can do for the church and for God? Guys, we often ask, can I afford to give? It's not a question Jesus asked on the cross. Because the reality is that giving doesn't start in giving. Giving starts, well, giving starts in God's giving, not our giving. Giving started in God's giving, and it starts in our getting the giving that he gave. So all you have to do to have a changed life is to be willing to receive one. And God today is asking you to ask yourself, am I willing to receive a giving heart? So guys, the question is not, can I afford to give, but do I trust God? And when I look on the cross at Jesus, what happens to my heart when I see the love that bled there? I am looking forward to the days ahead, to the relaunch of the church. I'm looking forward to unimaginable things that that God's going to do, the people who are going to be born again, the lives are going to be changed, the joy that is to come, because you trusted God in your generosity. Thanks for hearing God's heart.